time to talk football. It's time to talk Dons. North Sound 1, Red Friday. Good evening and welcome to Red Friday. We are back to domestic matters after an eventful international break which saw Scotland progress to next year's Euros. Sunday sees the Dons back in action and it's a trip to Ibrox to play Inform Rangers. Derek McInnes knows that his team will need to work hard for a result. We can take the confidence from previous games there when we, everybody takes responsibility. Things a high level performance. It's a balance right between attack and defending. We know we're capable. Players should take confidence from previous experiences but also recognise that in all of these games we've had positive results in Glasgow. It's the personality, the intent of the team, the aggression of the team, whatever they are. And that's what I'll be looking for more than uh, more than anything on Sunday. North Sound One, Red Friday. Yes, this is Red Friday. I'm Mike. I'm joined in the studio by Andrew Shiny and Lewis Mickey. Andrew, before we talk Don's uh, historic week for Scotland and a uh, first major finals in 22 years. Yeah, it'll be 23 by the time yeah. we get to it. But uh, a fantastic uh, result in Serbia and the euphoria was totally understandable because there's an entire generation haven't witnessed Scotland at um, a major championship yeah. and they delighted for everybody that was involved um, from Steve Clark to his backroom staff guys like Dr John McLean who have been there every single international and they you know have seen the highs seen the lows and and maybe you know, deep in their heart of hearts, they never expected to see Scotland get back to uh, being a, a major international championship. But uh, being Scotland, we had to do it the hard way. I thought, oh. I thought for the first eighty-nine minutes, Scotland were absolutely magnificent yeah. against a, a decent Serbian side. Who, you know, look at what they did to Russia. Yeah, yeah. That, that puts into context what Scotland managed to achieve against them, and they. It was all going so well. You always had that nagging suspicion, though, we need a second goal. Let's it was the most second goal. Scotland way to qualify for anything. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? I mean, very last minute of the game, and the, the guy loses Scott McTominay, scores very good header. Yeah. Um, and then. It's the importance of heading it down. <laughs> yes. Um, and then you're into extra time, and you're just. You're waiting for the inevitable to happen. Yeah. Scotland yeah. to lose. But it didn't happen. And then when we went into penalties, uh, I thought the penalties were of the highest order possible. I must admit, when Ollie McBurney went forward, I thought, <laughs> oh, here he goes. He's going to have to apply for political asylum in Serbia I after he misses this. I don't think you were the only one concerned <laughs> at that point. But took a great penalty, as did Scott McTominay, who got rid of the, the disappointment of having lost the guy at the corner. Yeah. Kenny McLean, I wasn't worried about at all um, no. because Kenny is such a cool customer. I mean, the, the, all the talk was that the, the Serbian goalkeeper was a bit of a specialist at penalties. Mm -hmm. He never really got near any of them. I think he got a hand to Lee Griffiths one, but um, it was the, so the, well struck. The penalties from, gonna beat him. from both sides were of a, the highest quality up until the, the final one. They were of the high. Even that penalty wasn't was a, a terrible penalty. It wasn't. It was a very good penalty, but yeah. it was an, an even better save. Mm -hmm. But isn't that modern football now? That poor old David Marshall, having saved the penalty, has got to wait that agonising two or three seconds before the referee can say to him, yeah. yes, the save is legal, you're through. And by that time, the boys were just about on top of him. But Yeah, uh, the, and we were, we were saying before, had that been Craig Gordon, he wouldn't have done that because we're not no, used to that in Scotland. We don't have VAR up here. We don't have to wait to, to see if, if you can celebrate. And it's taken away the spontaneity of that type of thing, but it just added to the, the whole... <laughs> Um, you know, 
this is going to oh, it's Scotland the boys get to see take the I, penalty I don't think again. I've ever been so half off my sofa as I was in that moment <laughs> well, I was half in the air and half going no, but get back here. <laughs> that's it but um, I think uh, you know the post-match interviews summed up what Scotland means to these players and what these players mean to Scotland now yeah. uh, Ryan Christie you know so emotional uh Totally understandable, but uh, it just puts into perspective, you know, a lot of people say uh, international football players, Billy Big Times, they're not really interested. They don't care if they get to championships or if they don't. Mm. You could see from that, they do. Oh, yeah. And what a lift it gave the whole country. And to be honest, the next two games in the Nations League, they were after the Lord Mayor's show, weren't they? It was entirely understandable that we didn't win the games. Yeah. We'd have liked to have won them. I still think they played some... Pretty good football. Mm-hmm. What it maybe highlighted is we need a goal scorer. Yeah, yeah, um, we yeah. need to take our chances at that level because we're creating chances, and that is so much better than it was, you know, a year ago where you were watching Scotland. Well, you weren't watching Scotland because you weren't interested no, in Scotland. Exactly, exactly. And now they've got the nation back on side again, and I'm not going to say the sky's the limit, but <laughs> we can go down. Uh, the sky to, is always the limit when Scotland get to a final. Uh, this is un- what we've unfortunately, been it's a sky like it is in Scotland most of the time. <laughs> yeah, pretty very low. true. Uh, but uh, but no, it was fantastic, and and now we've got so much to look forward to. And every player that is qualified to play for Scotland now should be bursting a gut yeah. to try and attract Steve Clark's attention ahead of the championships. Uh, Lewis, speaking of people that are too young to remember the last time Scotland <laughs> were in a finals, uh, I, I was, so it'll be 25 years since the last Scotland-England game in the Euros, and we won't talk about that one for too long. Uh, but this will be uh, certainly the first one that you're going to remember. Yeah, I was I was trying to kind it up there. I believe I was born somewhere between the first and the second game oh, in 1998. Wow. <laughs> That's so depressing. I was going to oh, bring it up you. because I didn't want to make either of you two feel bad. But yeah, yeah it, when Andrew talks about a, a generation that have went uh, without seeing Scotland in a major tournament, that that's me. I suppose I maybe technically may have seen one of those two games in the group stages but I doubt it so yeah th- it'll be a, a big occasion for, for me and a lot of people around my age yeah absolutely it really will and, and what what a result but not just the result it was just so nice it's probably the first time you know we've been in a situation Lewis before where we've been close and we've been in that final game in your lifetime and this is the first time we've actually done it and it must have been must have been a bit of a shock to the system for you well, there was a few of those kind of sinking moments, you know, when the, the header goes in, you go into extra time and you're thinking, well, that's it. And and then once you finally get to penalties, you're thinking David Marshall's going to get called back for being off his line here. And then it's all going it, to... So you, you were just expecting at one point to be dragged back into reality. Yeah. And, and it didn't ever quite happen. I suppose it maybe happened a little bit in the two games afterwards, but that doesn't matter because <laughs> Scotland are still going to the tournament and that's the major thing. And yeah. no matter what happens at that tournament... The, th- the fact that they are there is is something that someone like me hasn't even seen. So no. we could go there and have an awful tournament, and I'm sure it's not going to feel very good if that happens then, but it- at least you had the chance to go there, especially for those players who... It's- 
players there who might have thought that their career would go out without, in some of their cases, ever playing for Scotland, never yeah. mind playing at a tournament. Absolutely. And then, of course, Scotland-England Wembley next year is, well, it's a bit of a mouth-watering prospect. Now, we're going to cast our mind back to the last Dons game because, of course, we're going to talk Aberdeen. Uh, Andrew, can you remember that far back? Because uh, it feels like a long time ago. It feels like months ago, doesn't it? I was, yeah. When I was driving across here, I was thinking, yeah, it was Hibs 2-0. Remember Sam Cosgrove scored that ridiculous second goal? Who got the first one? And I really had to stop and think. And, of course, it was Scott Wright that got mm-hmm. the first one. And it was a very good performance from Aberdeen uh, against a Hibs side who, despite having a lot of possession, created nothing, lacked a cutting edge, which was surprising because I think when we spoke before the game, we said the strength of Hibs was their attacking players. Martin Boyle was totally blunted. We saw nothing of Kevin Nisbet and Christian Doidge. And it was a little bit like that Cup final, League Cup final in the, mm. the mid-80s when Aberdeen, you know, they talk about the 15-minute Cup final mm-hmm. uh, where we were 2-0 up early on in the game and just strolled it after that. Yeah. It was like that. Um, two very good goals, um, good pressing uh, from Ryan Hedges to win the ball off Jamie Murphy to create the opportunity for Scott Wright and a wonderful finish mm-hmm. uh, and a, a finish that will lift Scott Wright's confidence uh, because he himself is his biggest critic when it comes to not scoring enough goals. Uh, it was an, a natural striker's finish, that one. And then Sam Cosgrove's one. Well, uh, it was a poor attempted clearance from Ryan Porteous. He had virtually the entire park to, to play it into and managed to hit Lewis Ferguson in the back. Fergie claims an assist for it. Uh, <laughs> of course. And, and got an assist for the first one, um, which... Scott Wright said afterwards, he says, I'm not sure who it was meant for, whether it was Cosy or myself, <laughs> but um, but after that, when Cosgrove took off up the park, you thought, he's gone a wee bit wide, he's going to have to hit this with his left foot. And I was sitting three seats along from a very good left-footed striker of mm-hmm. Aberdeen days of past, John Hewitt, and he, he's going, left foot, left foot, left foot. Oh no, Sam pings it with outside his right foot into the opposite top hand well, corner. We've seen that before with Sam Cosgrove though. I, I think I remember a, a, a goal where he was about two yards from goal and, and managed to, to place it somewhere that almost seemed impossible uh, maybe a year or year and a half ago. I forget the game. Um, but he does have a habit of doing that sometimes. He, he does. And the great thing is that was a finish of a striker who was confident. Mm-hmm. That was his first goal for nearly nine months but it shows the confidence in his own ability that he's got and suggests to me that, as we've seen in the past, Sam can go on a scoring run. He is a streak striker. He'll score lots of goals in consecutive games and you'd like to think he can do that because there are a lot of games coming up. Yeah, well, that's it. And, of course, those games coming up, they start just this Sunday and it's a huge one. It's Rangers on Sunday and Don's defender Ash Taylor knows that the difference could come in the final third. That final bit of uh, keeping the ball and getting to that final third is disappointing because uh, start of the season but we've picked that up and we've looked more of a threat uh, the way we have been playing there previously so now we'll look to take that into Sunday's game Lewis, tough game Rangers on form at home they haven't conceded but you always fancy the Dons to do well on the road and sometimes an international break it's funny because you, you want to win going into inter, international international break um, but as well as that, sometimes you can play a game off the back of a break and it's a good time to play. And I always think that playing Rangers or Celtic off the back of an international break is quite a good time to get them. Yeah, you could be right. I actually think that Aberdeen tend to sometimes play best against Celtic and Rangers when the pressure's off a little bit. So sometimes they, they play a little bit better when it's away from home and 
this is the way from home with no crowd. So there's a little bit less pressure there. And because Rangers have been so good, there might kind of be that understanding if, you know, it was a loss where people would go, okay, well, fair enough. So maybe that kind of plays into the hands. I think sometimes in these games, Aberdeen do like to be not just the the underdogs, but the kind of underdogs where there's less expectations. You look at some of the, the Celtic games at Celtic Park where Aberdeen have actually got a result. I think most of those games, people didn't go in with much expectation and, you know, maybe this is a, is a little bit similar. Um, the injuries going in, though, do make you worry a little bit. Some of the key players that are out, especially Johnny Hayes, I think is the big one. And then, of course, Ross McCrory, not an injury, but he, he can't play because of the loan. Yeah, you're right. I think Ross McCrory, Andrew, that is a real miss. It is a, a massive uh, loss for Aberdeen because he's been a pivotal part of the success that we've enjoyed in recent weeks. Uh, but... Uh, Wall knew that he wasn't going to be able to play in that game, so I'm quite sure that the manager has structured everything uh, to to co- uh, cover that eventuality. Funza Ojo played against Rangers the last time that we played against them down at Ibrox. It was a nothing each draw, so um, he's, it's not going to be into the Lions' den for the first time for Funso. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's experienced. You've got Dean Campbell fit once again. Mm-hmm. Um, a very good technical player. Uh, again, one who has played at Ibrox and has enjoyed some success. So I think the strength of Aberdeen's squad, uh, we, we spoke about it uh, before the the Hibs game, uh, because of Johnny Hayes and Dylan McGeoch and Marley Watkins all being missing. Uh, we thought, how do we compensate for, for these guys and we did it admirably and still had a very strong bench and I think that it's the strength in the squad that that will be good but uh, McCrory will definitely be a miss but um, you're looking at uh, you know the spine of the side is, is still there Lewis yeah. Ferguson will, will, will be there in the middle of the park Ash Taylor who we heard from makes his 450th appearance in his club career Joe Lewis makes his 200th start for Aberdeen There's it's big occasions for a few players and as the manager said you're looking for the personality the commitment the the, the desire of the squad to shine through because yeah. that's what is needed you're looking at Rangers home record played 7 won 7 scored 24 conceded none mm-hmm. that's impressive form in anybody's book but Aberdeen no goals conceded in their four trips away from home. So yeah. uh, it could be very tight, but it could have lots of goals in it because uh, yeah. both sides are at their best when they're attacking. And, you know, we mentioned the fans there. Rangers, we think, have probably benefited from not having fans on their back, uh, like happens often for either side of the Glasgow two big teams there but it, it happens to both of them you know they, if the fans are on their back early it becomes a pressure cooker and that can often go against them and it seems to have benefited Rangers this season but you know from a Don's perspective looking up the way as we always do some people might look at this game and go well it's a bit of a free hit it's Rangers away so you know, let's just go out there and, and, and play the game but from a Don's fans perspective uh, you want to go there you want to win the game you want to end that run you want to be the team that gets the first goals at Ibrox it's a huge game Absolutely I mean as, as Lewis said quite correctly I think there's, there isn't as much expectation on, on the side which maybe frees them up to, to play the way that they want to play um, Rangers credit to them they'll play football uh, there have been times in the past where you, you've gone to Ibrox and thought if you try to play football down here you're going to get absolutely booted off the park and the referee's not going to do anything to stop it but um, no Rangers 
play a good brand of football, you've got to watch for their, their full-backs because the, their full-backs are auxiliary wingers. But if Conor McLennan and Matty Kennedy, who I think will be deployed as the, the, the wide players for Aberdeen, can keep them quiet, that's Tavernier and Barisic, I assume, mm-hmm. um, I think they're, they're back to, uh, whether it's Goldson and Hillander, Goldson, Balagoon, if you get players like Scott Wright, Ryan Hedges, quick, clever on the ball, if they can get in amongst them, they could cry, create a few chances for Sam Cosgrove. And yeah. as I said earlier, that finish that we saw from Sam in the game against Hibs suggests a striker who is back in the groove once again. And that could be the the chance for Aberdeen, but it's that midfield battle where the game will probably won't be won and lost. Yeah. And Rangers maybe just edge that, but... Aberdeen have got a decent record in Glasgow against Rangers. Let's let's not go down there with any inferiority complex. No. And as we've said, you know, it is a wee bit of a free hit. So let's take advantage of that. And Lewis, I think the thing that will be different this time around from an Aberdeen perspective is in seasons gone by, you would see an Aberdeen team go down there and be defensive and try and hold Rangers as long as possible and hit on the break. I don't feel it's going to be like that on Sunday because the way that the Dons have been playing this season, it has been free-flowing attacking football. There's been a lot of wide play, as Andrew mentioned. That could be the key to getting a goal, getting in behind that really, you know, that Rangers defence with a great record. But you you can just see it from a Don's perspective, that attacking brand causing problems. Yeah, in a lot of ways, the formation that the Aberdeen are playing at the moment doesn't mean they have to be either defensive or attacking. They can they can do both a little bit. You know, Andrew speaks about the fullbacks. I actually think the formation that Aberdeen have been playing suits trying to defend two good fullbacks. Um, and then the problem probably comes in defending in the same type of danger players that Rangers will have to defend where on Aberdeen it's Ryan Hedges and Scott Wright you're probably looking at someone like Ryan Kent and whoever else is kind of playing as almost that extra 10 for Rangers you know if it be Aribo or Haji whoever it ends up being those will be the ones that are a bit more difficult because they're quick and they'll come up against centre-backs who maybe don't like to get dragged into some of the areas they want to go into whereas the full-backs might be up against McLennan or Kennedy um, and also having Wright and Hedges coming back on them and and when you mention the midfield battle, Lewis Ferguson will be massive in there because he's got to do a lot of work there. You know, often him and Ross McCrory play off each other so well and Vince Ojo is still a very capable player, but a different type of player. Um, and it might mean that what Ferguson is trying to do in this game might be slightly different from what he might do if McCrory's playing yeah. next to him. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be, I think, just you know, quickly on Lewis Ferguson there. Um, he is potentially going to have to operate in a slightly more defensive way than he might he might like to for a lot of the game. But again, he's a player that has the potential to break out of that mould and that role and in quick, quick as a flash, he's got a chance of a shot or a chance of a uh, an accurate pass or something. Yeah, um, he's... I don't think you're going to see him just concentrate in defence. If Aberdeen are attacking and uh, you know a ball breaks at the edge of the area, you can bet your bottom dollar Lewis Ferguson will be one of the first to arrive there because uh, you know he's an all-round midfielder. He can, With a he good can, goal-scoring record yes, this season. Yes, and he, he can play anywhere that is asked of him. But uh, you're right, I think he, he probably will have to be in the early stages of the game more defensively focused. But you never know if Aberdeen just 
take the game by the scruff of the neck and, and go for it from, from the off, which I don't think you'll find that too many sides have done at Ibrox this season. No. Um, it's, it's an intriguing game from, from that respect because, Absolutely. you know, as I said, you know, both sides are, are best when they're going forward. And I don't think the Dons will be going there thinking, right, we've got to sit back all the time and let's hope we can have the odd breakaway. I think, you know, they'll go there thinking, let's have a right go at this lot and see what they're like because it was so disappointing the first game of the season where, you know, we never laid a glove on Rangers. But you look back in that game and they didn't really do an awful lot themselves to to win the match. They got the goal and uh, after that, there wasn't much between the sides. Mm. So... It, it's an intriguing one. It, it could go either way, and uh, it's it's certainly going to be Rangers' toughest game at Ibrox domestically so far this season. Yeah, it's Sunday, twelve o'clock kickoff. It is Rangers Aberdeen. We're going to talk more on that. We're going to hear from the fans, and we've got beat the pundit all on the way on Red Friday on North Sound One next. It's time to talk football. It's time to talk Dons. North Sound One Red Friday. The Dons visit Ibrox on Sunday. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff. Rangers against Aberdeen. Let's get the thoughts now of our fan reporter, Graham Watt, and find out if Graham is excited at the prospect of Rangers away on Sunday. Yeah, Mike, looking forward to Sunday's game. I think it'll be a close one. I think it'll be a tough one for Aberdeen. You know, Rangers are the form side in Scotland. Um, but, you know, I think Aberdeen have got more than enough to cause Rangers problems, especially... You know, right Hedges, Kennedy. I'm not sure how Hayes is. Hopefully he can make it. I'm, I'm, I've not heard if he's available or not yet. Um, but, you know, Mike, I'm sure Aberdeen will go there positive, believing they can go Ibrox, you know, get the win. It'll be difficult. It will be difficult. Rangers are, are a good side, Mike. Um, I, I think we can do it, though. I really do. I believe in this as players we've got. I don't know if they will play the high press, um, but they have been playing. I think Derek maybe will, maybe will set up a little differently, you know, hit them on the break, maybe, because Aberdeen do have the players to do that. Um, we will have to be strong at the back as well, you know, Mike, they're, they're, they've got threats all over the park, you know. Um, and I believe Aberdeen have certainly got players to deal with that, and hopefully we can go there and get the win, Mike. I'm going to be brave, I'm going to say 2-1 Aberdeen for this one, um, but I do think it'll be a, a close one. Yeah, Mike, 2-1 Aberdeen. North Sound 1, Red Friday. Confidence in the fans. Andrew, uh, Graham there, uh, I think is probably speaking on behalf of a lot of Dons fans that believe that the Dons can go there on Sunday and get a result. Yeah, well, you've got to. Let's face it, there's no point in going down there and, and thinking you're going to be, get beaten because if, if that's your mindset, then <laughs> inevitably you will be beaten. But... Uh, He's absolutely right. Rangers have got lots of uh, threats throughout their team and the Dons will have to be at their best and hope maybe catch Rangers on a slight off day and uh, if that is the case, they can repeat some of the victories that they've enjoyed against the light blues in yeah. Glasgow over recent years. We're going to talk more about that and we've also got Beat the Pundit coming up a little bit later on. Before we do that, we're going to turn our attention to some of the other Aberdeen teams that are in action. Uh, Andrew, first of all, we're going to talk a bit uh, about the reserve team because they've got a big game coming up on Tuesday night. Yeah, they'll be absolutely delighted they've actually got a game because mm-hmm. um, it's nine months, I think. Well, eight months, certainly, since the last played. And they, yeah, quarterfinal of the Evening Express Aberdeenshire Cup away to Bucky Thistle on Tuesday night up at Victoria Park. And they, 
for a lot of these players, this will be the first competitive action that they've seen yeah. at all because there's there's no under eighteen league in place at the moment. Uh, they were due to play a friendly game against Inverness Cali Thistles 18s yep. at Cormac Park this afternoon or this evening. And uh, for so many of these players, it'll have just been a case of going in training, maybe the odd bounce game, uh, but nothing competitive. So it'll be very interesting to see how that one goes. Looking forward to it. Uh, the other quarterfinals, Dice against Martin United, uh, Keith against Huntley and Fraserburgh against Inveruri Locos and uh, if Aberdeen do get through they'll play either Dice or Martin away in the semi-final Yeah, just showing the impact of Covid this year on football and we'll be hearing more from Dave Cormack very soon as well so we'll come back to that in a minute and Lewis, you've been following the women's team this season and uh, every week we've been doing a feature and making sure that we keep up to date with what's happening with the team and uh, it's no different this time but this time again get to speak to you about it so what's been happening well Mike uh, Aberdeen women remain top of the SWPL too they've got 100% records and, and it kind of looked like uh, last Sunday that they might be held to a draw by Hamilton and then that would go uh, but then Bailey Hutchinson stepped up to score the winner in stoppage time nine goals in six games for her and that's part of the reason why she was named SWPL player of the month for October uh, I also had the chance to speak to Bailey in the press conference earlier this week and uh, you're going to hear that now but we spoke a little bit about how she's grown as a player since the last time she won this award two years ago um, she's been out of that league or out of the SWPL for that time and we also talked about uh, her and her team's aspirations for the future I know that you of course won one of these awards a couple of years back um, it's, it's been a big time for the club and, and the kind of period between but what would you say is different how have you grown as a player in, in the last two years what, what's different now uh, I think I've just grown like more confidence because obviously before I was only like 15 at the time so I think since we've just been a team for like a long time I'm just more comfortable playing over in the players that we have and just in terms of the, the squad that you have, it's quite a young squad, not just yourself, there's quite a few players who are still probably at the start of their career as well. And as the club moves upwards, the promotion last season and started the season really well this year and potentially another promotion, do you think that helps that you can kind of grow with the, the competition getting better as well? Yeah, I think a lot of young players coming in obviously like strengthens the squad because like we have a longer time to like play together. But I think the older ones are obviously a big asset to us because they obviously have the experience that we don't have playing in these top teams that we've already played against. And just finally, from me, I know different players, it'll be different. Some want to set themselves kind of goals of actual things to go for and some people just see how it goes. Do you have long-term goals for your career? You know, Would you like to potentially play for the, the senior side for your country or you know go full time at some point is, is that something you look at or is it more so just taking everything as it comes uh, obviously taking it as it comes but yeah um, if I could then I want to play like at the top level as top as I can go really and yeah one of my biggest dreams is obviously to play for the Scotland first team that's something everyone should really wish to do and Sunday means another trip to the central belt for the Dons they face fourth place Partick Fissel yeah, it's um, it's been a it's been a, a really great season so far um, for the women's team, Lewis, and also as well as that, it, in some ways, given the situation that we find ourselves in this year, it, I feel like it's been the one positive has been that we have seen a little bit more focus on the women's team, and long may that continue because I know that um, certainly we've really enjoyed hearing how things have been going, and they've been going so well. 
Yeah, I think the reason, well, with it going so well is part of the reason why you're probably hearing more about it. I mean, uh, for a couple of years, Aberdeen women's team wasn't doing so well and that was before it was an official link with the club they kind of coincided they went down two divisions they fell outside the the SWPL and that's when Emma Hunter came in uh, originally with Harley Hamdani and uh, they got themselves straight back up um, one of the divisions into SWPL 2 and then that kind of had a bit of a false start they started last season or this season quite well before it was then cut off again and now it's back again. Uh, Stuart Bathgate has since come in to replace Harley after he uh, moved to Australia and I, I suppose that the whole idea is that once they had this connection with the club, they had this big platform to really let people know who, who these players were and there was a bit of a fresh start there as well because as I said in the interview with Bailey, that it's such a young squad. These are players you're going to get a follow for, for years now and yeah. you know don't be surprised if you see some of them. Um, Bailey particularly maybe could be one but there are a few other ones as well who, who could be playing for, for Scotland and potentially major tournaments as well in, in the coming years because the women's team uh, meanwhile, while Scotland's men's team haven't really been in some tournaments, I've had a, a couple to, to contend with and yeah. you know you could see some Aberdeen players playing in those in a not too distant future. Yeah, and really excitement the last time the, the Scotland women's team made it to a finals as well so long may that uh, continue and, and hopefully we'll, we'll see much more of that too. Uh, we will be keeping up to date with the women's team, not just on Red Friday also on Red Saturday, Lewis is going to be keeping us up to date week in week out as we progress through the season. Now this week the club announced an operating loss of £2.9 million for the year ending 30th of June 2020 due to a drop in turnover of 1.6 million. Uh, clubs want a plan for the return of fans, not Scottish government handouts to help stem the losses caused by COVID-19. That's what uh, Don's chairman Dave Cormack was saying. He also said that COVID has hit everyone, not just the first team. It's going to be the youth programmes, it's going to be the academy, it's going to be all of the community programmes that we put in place through our trust, etc., that's what's going to get harmed. And who's going to pick it up? We have to stop hemorrhaging cash at some stage. By the time we kind of get through this, if indeed we're back playing in front of crowds next season, we could have had $8 million that could have gone towards the new stadium that we've used basically to cover losses as a result of COVID. Andrew, we were talking about Scottish football, and it's not just an Aberdeen issue. This is a worldwide issue, obviously, with the, the COVID pandemic. But you do feel that getting through it right now is, first and foremost, the most important thing. Absolutely. Uh, Aberdeen are a well-run club, uh, and they are struggling big time. There will be other clubs who don't have the same uh, infrastructure behind them that the Dons have, who will be in severe danger of going out of business unless we can get some type of funding, whether it be from a government, FIFA, for example, mm -hmm. um, or getting fans back, because it's not just football clubs who are suffering, it's, it's all the supply chain that supplies the football clubs, and it's a massive chain, uh, and it's so important for the mental health of so many people as well. Uh, I mean, Dave was talking there about the, the possibility of community initiatives going to the wall because clubs can't afford to run them. That would be a huge loss to the northeast community if, for example, Aberdeen's Community Trust was to, to struggle. And I think, you know, as you said, it's a global pandemic that is affecting football all around the globe so it's incumbent on the the world ruling body FIFA to mm -hmm. get their finger out and do something about it at the moment 
there's a small number of clubs have a massive amount of money thrown at them. I think it should be, FIFA should be sitting down now and saying, look, how can we spread this across the entire football family to ensure that it stays together? Otherwise, it's going to fragment, it's all going to fall to bits, and eventually the companies who, the skies, etc., of of this world, who are throwing so much money at football are going to go, hey, you know, it's not such a good product as it was, so why should we keep on putting money towards it? I mean, it does feel like the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer uh, in, in, in football, and, and particularly in the English game, I think. But in Scotland, you do feel that we've, I mean, we're, we're long overdue a reform on a much bigger level in terms of how money is dealt with as this, in the Scottish game, and I'm talking about the whole Scottish game, not just the top league. It's 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 a, such a bizarre situation that we're in that we have so many professional clubs, and obviously we have histories with those clubs, so it's a big conversation to be had. Yeah. But you do feel if ever a conversation was to be had, it will be in the next 12 months, or it should be in the next 12 months. Oh, it should be, absolutely. And... Uh, you know, I heard what Dave Cormack was saying about uh, we're not wanting to be reliant on government handouts, but we need a plan in place. I think the clubs have probably accepted um, tacitly that there aren't going to be crowds for the rest of this season. There may be test events, but it's going to be small numbers. It's not going to be crowds as we know it going to games. So there's got to be a plan put into place sooner rather than later that if vaccines are successful in stemming the flow of COVID-19 and we can get back to some level of normality, that when that does happen, the plan is in place and everybody knows what is going to happen. Yeah. At the moment, we don't. And I think it's it's difficult to, to project into the future what is going to happen, but there seems to be a, a much greater degree of optimism now about the, the vaccines that are being developed, that we can get back to... A level of normality that would allow football fans to go back to games and as I say it's not just the clubs who are suffering financially it's everybody who has a connection with the clubs yeah. uh, all the way down the line in so many different businesses so I think somebody's got to accept the fact that you know we all say you know without fans the game's nothing it's a fact Without yeah. fans. Yeah. Well, we've we've seen that this season, and unfortunately, we're going to see it this weekend once again because we have a whole weekend of fixtures without fans <laughs> in the grounds. Uh, but we'll be talking more in just a moment about the big one on Sunday is Rangers against the Dons, as well as that we've got beat the pundit coming up, and we'll find out who is taking on Dave McDermott this week. That's all the way next. <laughs> to talk Dons. North Sound 1, Red Friday. Yeah, this is North Sound 1's Red Friday. I'm Mike. I'm joined by Andrew Shiny and Lewis Mickey. Lewis, Sunday, it's Rangers against Aberdeen. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff. Just a moment, we're going to do Beat the Pundit and get uh, this week's Dons fans predictions. Uh, what's your prediction? What's the score going to be, Lewis, on Sunday? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. <laughs> uh, you know, we've got to be positive. Uh, so I'm going to say 1-0 Aberdeen I, I think it's going to be a tight game anyway You know, either way we, we know Rangers have a good defence and most of the time Aberdeen have a pretty solid defence there's been a couple of games that have been an exception of that this season but yeah I'm going to go with 1-0 Aberdeen because I think it'll be tight and you know we've, we've got to be hopeful here OK 1-0 Aberdeen we take that Andrew absolutely uh, 
I think it'll be a draw, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would accept any sort of victory. <laughs> All right, it's time for the predictor. Close one last time out was Don's fan Jay that was up against Dave McDermott. Andrew, how did uh, how did they get on against Dave? Well, Dave scored seven, which in a normal week would see Good it score. win out of the park. Unfortunately for Dave, Jay got eight. Wow! So the score on, uh, on the door now, uh, the pundit has six, and the Red Army have seven. Well, this week it's Mark Milne who's going to have a go and our fan reporter Graham spoke to Mark to get his predictions. Yes, Mike, taking on Dave McDermott tonight is Mark Milne. Mark, first of all, we'll start with Saturday's games. Dundee United versus Hamilton. 1-0 Dundee United. Hibs against Celtic. 3-1 Celtic. Kilmarnock versus Ross County. 0-0 Kilmarnock and Ross County. Livingston versus St Mirren. 1-0 for Livingston. And finally for Saturday, St Johnston versus Motherwell. 1-1 for St Johnston and Motherwell. And then on to the big one on Sunday, the 12 o'clock kickoff, Rangers versus Aberdeen, Mark. How do you see this going? Let's go 2-1 for Aberdeen. Right then, Andrew, let's get Dave's predictions. He's not with us this evening, but what, uh, what's he gone for? Dundee United-Hamilton. No, he's, he's not with us this evening, but he didn't trust me to do predictions on his behalf, and, <laughs> and rightly so, because um, in our bottom, of the league. Pride, I'm bottom of our little four-man league table, uh, Dave has gone Dundee United 2, Hamilton Aki's nil. OK, Hibs Celtic? 2-1 to Celtic. Kilmarnock-Ross County? 2-0 to Kilmarnock. Livingston-St Mirren? 1-1. St Johnston Motherwell 1-1 one, one. and then Rangers Aberdeen 1-1 one, 1-1 one. One, one. You got stuck in a wee bit of a rut <laughs> That's the way to say she's stuck with that one um, OK well it's, we're definitely going to have a, a winner from from what I would think because very different score lines Quite um, different yeah Yeah, you, you would think that there'll be uh, someone on top I would say that the way the form's going it may well be Mark and the Red Army but we will see uh, We're just going to take a look at League One because I, I want to make sure we, we talk about that first so Peter Head coming off the back of that League Cup um, decider against St Johnston losing that one they host Dumbarton tomorrow uh, Lewis and uh, Peter Head uh, they, they're doing reasonably well this season I've seen I've seen some of the, the games and it feels like they're sort of becoming a, a stronger team as the season's gone on yeah I feel like a bit in both teams here are a bit hot and cold so it'll be an interesting game because you don't know which of either team are going to turn up but uh, yeah Peter Head is certainly the they started the League Cup season quite well. They went into the league not so well, and and then it's kind of turned the other way. So, uh, interesting game, League One. It's just you, you can't predict how pretty yeah. much any game is going to go in League One at the best of times. But uh, yeah, I think Peter Head are, are looking upwards at the moment. Peter Head, uh, Andrew, how do you think they'll get on tomorrow? I think home advantage might just shade it for them. But Lewis is absolutely right. You, you just can't uh, forecast uh, some of these games because. It depends on, on who turns up on the day. Mm. Uh, if Peterhead are at their best, they'll win. But if they're they're not quite at it, to quote Jim McAnally's favourite phrase, <laughs> Dumbarton have got good enough players that they could punish them. Uh, Cove Rangers face one of their tougher challenges this season. They're away to Falkirk, Andrew. And if ever there was a time for them to show that they're real title contenders for that league, this is the kind of game that they need to go and try and get a result. Well, it's top against second. Cove with a 100% record and Falkirk four points behind them after four games. But you're right, this is as tough a game as uh, Paul Hartley's team is going to get. But they keep on producing the goods, don't they? And uh, although 
it is away from home. It's a similar pitch. It's a similar pitch in, in terms of dimension. And Cove have got good players. They've got a lot of experience about their squad now. Rory McAllister uh, scoring again, which scoring is goals, always well, helpful. I mean, he, he scored he never goals. Stops, but <laughs> he, he doesn't stop, but um, it's, it's such a handy weapon to have yeah. that if Mitch Meganson isn't hitting goals, you've got Rory McAllister to fall back on, plus many others. Yeah. So I think... It'll be a tough encounter, but I just see Cove edging this one by the odd goal. Uh, Lewis, Cove, obviously we, we talked so much about Cove over, over the last couple of seasons in their brilliant form, particularly at home, but away to Falkirk, real tough one. Yeah, I've watched quite a bit of Cove this season and been really, really impressed with them and, and watched a bit of Falkirk as well and they've been a difficult one to judge, but I think they've mostly been good. It's, it's when there's some individual errors that they've not been so good. But I mean, Cove, they've got Fraser Fifey back now as well, so they're going strength to strength, really. I, I see a draw in this one, you know, especially going away from home. I really do think Falkirk are a good team. You've got to watch out for former Hearts man Callum Morrison in that one as well. He's been fantastic for Falkirk and just signed a new contract, so he'll probably be feeling pretty good about himself. But yeah, I'm going to go for a draw. Just very quickly tomorrow in the top league, Lewis, which of the other games is the one that you're most interested in? I would suggest Hib Celtic will certainly be a, a close one. Yeah, it's got to be Hib Celtic. The other ones are going to be interesting too, of course, but you know, sometimes in some of those other fixtures, you just can't even predict. Sometimes you think one's going to be great and it won't, but Hib Celtic has got to be a pretty interesting fixture, especially just when you consider Celtic aren't quite blowing teams out of the water like they do sometimes, so it could be a bit more competitive than it might have been at times in the last few seasons. Just a little correction, Andrew, it wasn't Jay that was uh, last time. Okay. We, we did wonder if we'd got that one wrong. We were talking before the show. Uh, do you remember who it was? I tell you, as soon as I say it, you'll go, of course! It's Lee McAllister. Oh, so it was. <laughs> so you can't good, be Robin. You good, can't, good move, Dave. You don't, don't beat Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't be, you can't be Robin Lee McAllister of his win. He, uh, he won it fair and square. Uh, thanks to our fan reporter, Graham, who just uh, sent me a wee nudge to remind me that it was, in fact, Lee that, uh, that took part who last time. Who would be giving you a big nudge? <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very true. Uh, right, OK, so... Rangers-Aberdeen Sunday. Andrew, just to, to finish off, uh, big, big game. It's one of those where the fans really, really want a result. And, and we all want a result because it's it's Rangers, it's Ibrox. Rangers are on that good run. Go there and get a result. Yeah, uh, go there with no fear. Uh, actually, Aberdeen have played so much better against Rangers at Ibrox than they have at Petaudry in recent seasons. Very so. There's, there's nothing to stop them winning other than themselves. Yeah. So go out, give it absolutely everything. Uh, you never know. Uh, it could be a Rangers team that uh, is a little bit jet-lagged after all, all the international travel. Yep. And, well, fingers crossed. But it should be a cracker of a game. Yeah, Red Friday back next week. I'll be back tomorrow with Cheryl Moore. Build up on Red Saturday to Rangers against Aberdeen. 12 o'clock kickoff on Sunday. <laughs> It's time to talk football. It's time to talk dogs. North Zone 1, Red Friday.